Mashallah, man. Well, 2023 yeah. is here. Every year goes by faster than the last. Don't you feel that way? Mm. It's, it's, I was talking to a friend the other day about this, how I feel that the first six months of the year are extremely slow. And that has to do with things like having, there's less holidays in the first six months of the year. There's just a lot. There's just not as much going on those first six months. And then once July hits, it's like the year is practically over at that point because there's there's holidays, there's birthday parties, there's weddings. I mean, there's just so much going on. Yeah, man. I feel every decade, I just started my 40s and uh, every decade, like every year feels like it takes on an extra 10 miles per hour like just the speed just keeps accelerating and compounding it's crazy dude you know? yeah i mean it's been a but, uh, it's been a year man kareem it's been such a crazy year man like just reminiscing why has it been about crazy it crazy for you like are you talking personally mm. or are you talking like world events i mean it's been a crazy last couple of years ever since i think covid everything's just been crazy sure you know yeah uh personally yeah it's been a crazy year you know i hit the lowest point of my life this year at the beginning of this year. And it was one of those stages where you feel like it's never going to get better. And that happens, right? Whenever we hit our low moments, we always say to ourselves, like, when am I going to get out of this? How am I going to get out of this? And subhanAllah, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has planned for you is it truly is unimaginable. Like you cannot imagine it. And you often find it coming to you in the most unexpected ways and unexpected places. Um, even just personal goals that I was able to hit this year. I did one khatam of Quran. I read nine books. Among those books, I read Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Uh, Meditations is actually the uh, journal entries that Marcus Aurelius would write, you know, Marcus Aurelius was a Roman emperor. And at the time he was the most powerful man on the planet. So meditations is a compilation of all of his journal entries or recorded journal entries that we have. And to just get inside the mind of a Roman emperor is so fascinating. And to me, it was extremely fascinating to see how, you know, you know, humans have been the same. We've always been the same. We tell, have our... tell us, tell us about like the highlights of those entries that stuck out to you. What, and why do you say humans have always been the same? Tell us about mm. that. Yeah, I would say the entries that stuck out the most. You know, he wrote once that the impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. So Marcus Aurelius, he's saying here that the obstacle is the way. So when when we go through life and something is blocking our road, we often think that, oh, I have nowhere to go. In fact, it's actually the obstacle that's in our way shows us a new path. It helps us take a new path. And that's what Marcus is saying there in that entry. He also says, um, you know, you have lived your life. Think of yourself dead. Now take what's left and live it properly. So he's saying here that like, look, don't fret about the small things like don't stress about those things that are out of your control you know and just live with what's important in your life remember 
especially as Muslims, we remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the messengers of Allah, our deen, our family, close friends, things like that, our hobbies and passions. And yeah, you know, those are some of those entries that stuck out to me when he talks about life, death and purpose. And in the sense of humans being the same, that we're all that we've always been the same. We've we've always had our same anxieties. You know, we've had our sta- same levels of stress. In fact, he was betrayed by one of his best friends. Um, there was a coup to take his life, and um, he wrote in his journal entry. He said that um, um, the best revenge is to not be like the one who did the harm unto you. You know, and he, this is here, he's, um, he's specifically talking about his best friend who betrayed him, almost killed him uh, during a coup. Um, it's funny because when you, when you read meditations, when you open it up, he talks about how um, he, he immediately opens up with saying how people are cumbersome, like they're going to bother you. And he's saying that, look, you can't let this get to you, like work in harmony with others. You know, that's one of the things I remember him saying is like work in harmony with others. In fact, uh, when it comes to waking up in the morning, he says, um, he's having this like conversation with himself, right? So it's really, it's really cool. He says to himself that, um, you know, that he must get up early. And then he says, you know, but it's warm in here. And then he responds to himself by saying, were we created to be warm? And it's like, damn, like, wow, okay. You know, this man was just, um, Marcus Aurelius, he was so wise and profound. And he's someone that I look up to. I see Marcus as a role model for myself. But th- that's what, that was one of the books that I read this year. Um, you know, I started Wasn't this Marcus, pod- though, like a big misogynist, though? <laughs> um. <laughs> Roman, Roman Empire. No, I'm kidding. But that, that yeah. was actually a really good sharing, man. Um, I never heard of that book, and it's just again, it's it's furthers kind of the point we've been mentioning is like truth and benefit can come from anyone. Like here you are telling us about um, a Roman uh, figure, you know, a great Roman emperor, and it's like wow, yeah, that's deep, you know. Who, by the way, lived two thousand years ago, and what he said then is still relevant today, of course. which ties to exactly what you said, how truth can come from anywhere. And it doesn't always necessarily have to come out of the lips of a Muslim man or Muslim woman. This literally came from 2000 years ago. If you want to talk about anywhere, right? It's like different yeah. place, different time space, right? Um, it also yeah. suggests something really unique, which I thought about a lot as someone, you know, in human science, right? Is has the human condition fundamentally changed, right? It's like, because one argument, especially in our times today, which is relevant, is you know relativism, moral relativism. Everything can be questioned, undermined, redefined, right? So zina doesn't mean zina anymore. Fornication, adultery doesn't mean that anymore. Intoxication doesn't mean intoxication, right? There's so much different ways you can sell, right, or market something. I mean, for God's sakes, like spirits is what is used to call alcohol, right, or good times, right, or whatever. Um, So, yeah, it's like if the human condition stays fundamentally the same, does that mean that the moral principles or virtues of what religion has often tried to keep reminding or organizing for humanity actually change right and so this is another point around like 
what religion still tries its best to keep its moral grounds and principles, right? Even though Muslims are fading with that in some parts of the world, like the West, it's, you know, it's surprising to see how the discourse can be around certain things that have always been um, collectively known, right, to be the case. Um, so yeah, it's a really good insight, man, because it's like a lot of things do apply, right? No matter what time you live in, wisdom is wisdom, right? And maybe that's what makes wisdom that special thing that it gives value in any place or time. Yeah. So, I feel that the human condition, as far as when it comes to our vices, we've always been the same. You know, humans will always be greedy. Humans will always be lazy. We will always be lustful, jealous, envious. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. but You mean we'll always I, have those tests, you're saying? Yeah, we'll always have those tests for sure. But I do believe that humans have become lazier, that <laughs> humans have become physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally weaker um, with the advent of technology and Yes, technology does have its benefits, and it's amazing what we have been provided with when it comes to technology and our smartphones. But it's like, how much time are we spending on our smartphones? How much time are we sitting, you know, on the couch scrolling when two hours have passed and we could have done some, something productive in that two hours, right? We could have read a, we could have read a book. We could have, <clears throat> excuse me, we could have exercised. We could have done something productive. So. I do believe the human condition, um, as far as our tests have been the same, but we are, as a society, uh, losing out on those values and principles. Like we're changing definitions, sort of like what you said. Uh, we are losing touch of what we commonly agree on just so that we can in include people into our society. And it's like, look, you can always include people into your society while still sticking to your principles. You don't have to change your principles just just to include people into a group setting or into a society, what what have you. Um, and yeah, you know, it's just um, like you said, wisdom is one of those timeless things. That's why meditations, the book changed my like it actually changed my life, Kareem. When I read that book, I was wow. like, wow, this is like profound wisdom, and it's like it's like a it's a gem just hidden away in a book. That's all it was. It wasn't some something that I had to go and travel to find and seek, right? Sort of a reference to The Alchemist, which is what I did read also this year. Amazing book, oh, by nice. the way. I highly, highly yeah, recommend classic. The Alchemist. Um, but aside from just, um, you know, those two things that I mentioned as far as like doing one khatm of Quran, reading nine books, you know, I started a podcast. Um, I also started some projects here and there that I'm still working on and haven't published yet or released to the public and um these are written you know, projects? Written projects yeah well these are more projects of uh, that i will post on what well, well, that will be on social media uh, specifically content. instagram okay. i thought you, it's content. Reason, i thought you were writing like article or poetry or something but yeah okay so content well there was there was one point where i wanted to start my own website where i can just sort of like publish my thoughts for the day on various topics. Um, and I was doing that for a while and it actually helped me when I was going through that very difficult period earlier uh, this year. And just the idea of writing was so helpful. Um, but what did stick was journaling. That's one of the other things that um, 
it was a habit I picked up on this year, which I I completed two notebooks this year that were meant for journaling. I'm on my third notebook right now, almost halfway through. But man, I love journaling, Kareem. Oh gosh, it's it's something that finally stuck to stuck after being on and off with it for about three to four years. And my method of journaling is usually like writing about what I'm grateful for, writing what tasks I have for the day, or just writing about things that have been bugging bugging me, things I need to think about in the future, um, or just random thoughts here and there. But uh, yeah, all in all, it's, I think it's just been, um, it's, it turned out to be a year better than I expected, despite everything I went went through in the beginning of the year. And I, th- I really do see it as, <clears throat> excuse me, I really do see it as almost a testament to where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, um, in the mal, um, uh, where he says, um, that indeed heart with hardship comes ease, you know, and gosh, it's like, we will all have that point at, at some time in our life, whether it's next year or the year after, or, or, or sometime in the future where you, because you're just in the thick of whatever difficulty you're in, you really cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel. You really can't, but mm-hmm. It's about that trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, um, you know, showing that patience and trusting the process as well, you know. And for me to somehow say that I, I'm, I'm like at the highest point in my life this year is almost like a miracle in and of itself to say. Because, you know, I, I experienced both the lowest of the lows and the highest of the highs in one year, which, you know, again, subhanAllah, it's just like what Allah has planned for you is again just unimaginable dude thank you for sharing man i mean i've been there um i can understand i think a a good advice for everybody is to recognize even in one's own life like for you it was in this you know annual year but even in one's own life like if i look back on the darkest times or the biggest low points and so forth it's like, oh, I got out of them. You know, it's like, here I am. I'm still going. You know, things are still good, alhamdulillah, for the most part. And so you realize, you do learn, you know, like, and that's why, of course, it's really sad when people get so depressed or have suicide nation because it's like they didn't wait for the yusr to come, let's say, right? They just punched out when it was too hard. Um, but when you, you know, it's interesting, a lot of times, people have said something similar. It's like when I was about to finally lose it or give up or just, you know, go do something in the opposing force of this, you know, good goal I've been trying to work through, you know, the opening comes. Um, So yeah, man, it's good to hear that, you know, that you're feeling better. You've got some really good goals and habits. Um, And for everybody listening, you know, all of us go through these times where we just don't think it's going to get any better or we can't handle it. Um, but if we're in it, we must assume we're, we're supposed to be able to handle it, right? Because Allah doesn't test us beyond what we can bear. And as you reminded us, in the man, with hardship comes ease, you know? 
And sometimes there's actually ease parallel to the hardship, right? Sometimes like you're, like you're in some crappy thing and that's what gives life to something else that gives you ease or becomes a means for you to have ease or an out shortly after, let's say, right? Mm, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's a hard, hardship breeds new life. And it's something that Marcus really mentions in meditations. He says, um, constant awareness that everything is born from change. And change is that thing that we all fear because we be, become so comfortable with our day-to-day lives. You know, all of us, myself included, we, co- we, we become comfortable to our day-to-day lives and knowing when to expect certain things. But it's whenever that difficulty happens where like it's a 180 where everything you uh, believe to be true is like flipped up uh, upside down its head and you're like lost you don't know what to do you don't know where where things are going you're uncertain um and it, I, i actually wanted to ask it's like what are what are some of the lessons that you learned this year because you know i was mentioning things about like how you can go from your lowest to your high And even in the lowest, you have that, you just remember that, look, things will get better. And um, having that trust and that faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that that ease will come. Yeah, man. I mean, my boat is a bit different. So after a couple of years, two years of, mean two years of COVID, um, last summer, or yeah, it was last summer, 2021, I Uh, I came, I took my family from California and we came to Brazil. So that was due to a trip of fear, a trip of getting out of your comfort zone, a trip of don't know what to expect. Um, and I'll tell you, it was actually very difficult too for me, you know, because I had to adapt to a world that provoked um, in some ways openings, but also a lot of isolation, right? It's like a place you don't know anybody, you don't know the language, the culture is very different. Um, even though you have family to like help with your children. I also learned a lot about what it means to sacrifice for your family as a man, because Kareem, the nefs dude, was always unsatisfied and disappointed here, right? Um, because of course, I would prefer things a different way, right? And there were even times where I thought about like, maybe I should just like go back to the US or go, you know, somewhere, right? And just let my family keep running. They have school and blah, blah. And my wife has help. So it's all good, right? Um, but there was a part of me that came to realize, like, why would I leave? Like, where, where am I going? And who am I really doing it for? It's like, I'm doing it for my nephews. Like, my nephews wants to be comfortable. My nephews wants to that or, you know. And so it, there was, like, kind of this big lesson for me around, um, I mean, I've only been a parent for about six, seven years now. So there's still a lot of learning to go from like, right, just being a married man to a father and learning what sacrifice really means, you know? I don't think anybody actually will understand what sacrifice really means until they become a parent. Uh, I'm gonna say that straight up. Like, I don't care, you know, if you're married or you're not married, like there's, there's only so much you could understand when you're in such a position in a role, right? That these other human beings are constantly relying and depending on you not only for physical survival and thriving, but spiritual, intellectual, emotional sustenance. Like it's a lot that you have to keep giving, right? So 
so it also, I think, teaches you about, yeah, I learned a lot more about patience and um, I had to really go through a super wrestle around finding gratitude again in such a dissatisfying, uncomfortable, unpredictable, out of my, to, you know, what I would like. And I'm a very particular person, right? Alhamdulillah, I have a beautiful office and studio here. So that's been, that helped me, you know, certainly survive, right? Like I have my own space and cave where I can come and do my work and be creative. But uh, yeah, man, that's been some of my journey. Um, it also found it, it's a lot more difficult to be close to God when you have very little access to those who love God. At least, not doesn't mean people don't love God here, but I'm speaking specifically from being a practicing Muslim. Um, you know, it's, there's very few messages where I am. It's like the closest one is an hour and a half away. So obviously it's not something I'm going to go to often, right? Mm. Um, I didn't even have a car for most of the time I was here. Right. So the point is, is like one advice I would give is like such it's so important to have also a sense of community for your goals as a person. Right. Whether it's Dean or it's intellect, it's physical health, like you have to surround yourselves with people who have the same goals, the same vision, a shared meaning for the future. And how did I have that with my spouse? You know, I'm going to instill those things in my kids. Um, and this is why also my next you know, big adventure, dude, and scary adventure, and take go to my next uh, out of comfort zone is inshallah, I plan to go to Egypt in Ramadan, and go spend oh. some time there. And uh, most likely bring my family there as well to do something similar. And uh, let them, you know, experience that. So that's a whole other adventure. That's only going to come from this big change, right? And, um, and Allah knows, like, if it's going to work out, if it's not, but you know, right now it seems like it's the right decision. So those are some of my themes, man. You know, learning what real self-sacrifice is, patience, um, learning how to truly be grateful when you actually don't feel grateful. Like every day, you just like, you know, imagine you get up every day and you're just like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. I don't like this. Why did I do this? Right. But still trying to find the beauty and the goodness, right? Whether it's like the friendly neighbor or the beautiful nature around you or Every time it rains, like it rained for like two weeks, you know, it just got sunny today. And I always remember like, dude, Allah sending rain from the heavens, like that's a super big blessing. Like I should be happy that I'm in a place where that's something that's happening. Like it's well known. Like if Allah says, he, Allah tells us, if he stops sending rain, we're dead. Like think about that. It's literally your, your, your little trickle of life force coming from the sky. SubhanAllah, right? Mm -hmm. So I learned to appreciate that. I also learned to appreciate, you know, people like in a different culture, different history and how fundamentally we are the same in a lot of ways and our conditioning and our programming does have a lot to do with why we are the way we are, right? It's like, it's not people's fault. It's just, they didn't know any better. Like this is their life. Like that's how they grew up or this is what was their condition. So in that sense, it definitely helped me, you know, learn and, and uh, find, let's say new founds of humility. Um, but yeah, those were some of my themes, man, as far as like this last year. And it was really just focused on being a family man, dude. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, helping out with my kids and trying to create um, a good bond with them, which isn't easy when you have three, four kids all competing for your attention. And it's like, you can't even get a word in with one of them because the other one is like hijacking. Like just learning how to like basically be a better Baba, dude. Right? Yeah. It's like, that's been big for me. Yeah. yeah.
I think what you mentioned, essentially what you mentioned um, in that uh, reflection is shifting the narrative. So, you know, like when you had talked about how it rained the other day and then you had that realization that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sending this rain down from the heavens. And if for one second, or if he, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just doesn't send down rain anymore, we're all dead. Like that's, that's a fact. We're all going to be dead. And the idea of shifting the narrative is so important. That's, that's pretty much the lesson that I learned this year, you know, um, which is something that the Stoics, they talk about, which is the love of fate. You know, Frederick, uh, Frederick Nietzsche, he said, love fate, you know, love everything that happens to you. Turn those negatives into positives. Um, you know, even the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was sitting in a halaqah, and this hadith was mentioned where, it's the, it's the story where the Quraysh were referring to the Prophet والسلام, as Muzammam instead of Muhammad. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he walks in to, I believe he walked into a masjid where the companions were sitting and there was just so much turmoil happening at this time. Muslims dealing with so much oppression and backlash and the companions, they see him smiling and they're almost like perplexed. Like, why are you smiling? You know, like what, what happened? And the prophet peace be upon him. He said that, look, these people, they're talking about Muhammad and I'm Muhammad, you know? So at that moment, he shifted the narrative and he saw the positives in this negative you know and for me personally this year the difficulty that i went through <clears throat> especially going through it you know being in the thick of it i often told myself that this was the worst thing that ever happened to me and i said that to myself for weeks and months and you know when i came across this stoic idea of loving everything that happens amor fati uh, which means love the love of fate it totally shifted my narrative. It, it changed my perspective because after that moment of saying, rather than saying, this is the worst thing that happened, I began saying, this is the best thing that happened. And from that, I created the new habit of journaling. I started podcasting. You know, I made new friends, new social groups. I became extroverted for the first time in my life. I've always been introverted. Um, I started new projects. I started going to the gym. Like so much good came from what I perceived as awful and terrible and bad. And yeah, sure. At the time, what happened was, of course, unfortunate. But just like Marcus Reales, he says, you know, constant awareness that constant awareness that everything is born from change, that everything in fact comes from change. Everything good in your life has come from change. And I really liked your reflection on how, you know, being a parent truly gives you that, that idea of what sacrifice is and what that truly entails. I've, I've asked um, someone who had became a father, I believe it was this year. It was this year uh, I, someone had become a father and I'd asked him, I said, do you feel like becoming a father unlocked parts within you that you didn't have access to before? And he was like, yeah, absolutely, man. It's like, it just totally changes your perspective when you become a parent. And like you said, like it brings a new meaning to what sacrifice truly is. Um, and community is important. Like you said, having a community is so important because 
connecting with people who, who even though may not necessarily always be on uh, your, let's say they won't always agree with what you have to say. At least they're on the same wavelength, you know, and having that community is so important. And that's something that I learned this year, man, is like, subhanAllah, that I'm so fortunate living here in the Dallas area. You know, I, I realized that the that Dallas is called the Medina of America. Like, I didn't know that was a thing, you know. Um, no way. When did you yeah. guys take that on for yourselves? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's. It's something that when I've spoken to several people who moved from out of state to the Dallas area, a lot of Dallas transplants, um, they always tell me like, man, we don't have anything like this back where I came from back home, you know, and it truly made me understand that what I have here um, in Dallas uh, in the Muslim community is so, it's such a blessing, man. It's such a blessing. I've, I talked to someone earlier this year who told me they'd moved from, I believe it was Idaho. And they said that when they came here to the, to the Dallas Muslim community here, here in the area, he said that he felt that he had to be on his dean. Like he felt compelled to, to be better, to be a better Muslim. And I was so perplexed by that because to be honest, I never really felt that way because I'm just so used to it. You know, at this point, it's just so common to me, but to hear that from someone else who is not native to the area was uh, really profound. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Again, sense of community, a sense of bonding. So important. I I think I realized the the profound effect it has, you know, like even when I, um, we'll get online and talk to some friends, you know, that I haven't spoken to for a couple of months. Like I would feel like so much better and less alone, you know? So it's very important to have healthy relationships, you know, um, healthy relationships, right? Not superficial ones, not online ones alone, you know, like people you actually can sit with, they'll look you in the eyes and you can share bread, you can share breath, you can share thought, you can share heart. Um, and you won't be able to accomplish that with a lot of people, to be honest, right? But you, if you have a handful of mates, you're good, you know? But everybody needs a good handful, a solid handful of mates, or else you, you really can't do it alone. And, you know, it's, it's uh, the world is just always gnawing at you. Um, whether it's, again, strictly survival, like just financial, economic, like work, perfect emotional, social, religious, spiritual. I mean, all that stuff needs nourishment, needs nourishment, needs exposure. Um, It needs active solidarity. You follow? Yeah, man, it's such a huge, yeah, it's a huge difference when you're interacting with people online versus in person. And, you know, just to sort of tie into, um, to going through, difficult things in your life, hitting those low moments, being around good company, good company is healing in and of itself. Like it gives you that healing. And I know for me personally, when I, you know, began making new friends, started hanging out with these friends, you know, doing things with these guys, it seriously healed me, man. Like I, I felt like any resentment that I had in my heart, any sort of grudges I may have had, any sort of hate hatred or envy just like was disappearing and fading away and that that's why it's so important that 
if it's possible for a person to have in-person interaction versus online, you know, do what you can to make that happen because it's a huge difference. Absolutely, man. And one of my wishes for the Ummah in 2023 is the social media addiction man, and online addiction mm -hmm. in general. I mean, I speak to many families increasingly year by year where you just hear like my spouse is just you know always on their damn phone. Uh, my kids always on their damn phone. Dude, I know a case, I know a case of families that take their kids on vacation. They're like, okay, we got to take, let's go on a nice family vacation. We'll all, you know, go somewhere beautiful like the Caribbean or Thailand or Greece or whatever, right? You still get one or two kids. They just want to stay in the room on their phone all day in the hotel. And they're in the most, one of the most beautiful places of God's earth. Like the ayat of God are all dancing in front of you like geez it's gorgeous it's like this is boring you like go back to your phone it's like that is a sickness you know i i i'm just like wow how do you you know so this is a big thing i really wish for people because it does kill I, I love wednesday's quote dude it's a what did she say it's a soulless you know a void of soulless activity that gives you meaningless affirmation like a lot of it is that for people. Again, I'm not against it. You're using it for business or if you have intentional content that you want to share, right? Okay, but the fact that most of us, the phone is always in our hand. And I just see this everywhere, dude. And I know I'm going to see it in Egypt. I've seen it in the US. I saw it here in Brazil. It's the same thing, dude. Everyone has their phone in their back pocket. Everyone has their phone in their hand. It's like, it's like a, it just, it's, it's what people do to fill any space of being present. It's like you're in a line, phone. You order something, you don't know who to talk to, phone. You know, we just use it to constantly escape and avoid living our fullest. And so this is what I wish for us and myself. You know, it's like um, getting like, I. By, by the way, one of the other things I learned is like, I realized my own attachment, right? Like if I come home from work and I want to watch, a, you know, one of my videos or something of somebody I like to listen to or check up on something or a show, it's like, I get home, my son wants to come talk to me. He hasn't seen me all day, right? Mm -hmm. And when I was in my lowest point, I was annoyed by that. Cause I just like, I don't wanna like have to give more right now. Like mm -hmm. I just wanna zone out. And that was a horrible thing, right? To believe mm -hmm. and to think. And I realized like, oh shit, like this got so far in me. I'm turning away this beautiful child of mine who just is so happy to see you and just wants to learn and sit with you and hug you and give you love. And I'm making him like, feel like he's a burden. Like it makes me want to cry just saying it, you know? And it's like that. And I realized like, and so I made it a rule. Like I go home, my phone is in my backpack, dude. I don't even take that out until my children fall asleep. My wife falls asleep. If I want to do anything yeah. on it, that's that, then it comes out. Otherwise, dude, it's full presence. Like whenever I go somewhere now, I'm always seeing, now I'm watching how my wife, is, you, you know, because I don't keep it with me. Like we go out to a restaurant, we go to the mall, we go to the park. She's like, where's your phone? I'm like, I didn't bring it. So I can be fully here and just Dude, present with the kids. I, I love that. I seriously do because um, it's a habit that I began to do this year as well. Um, I, anytime I have, I, when I go to Juma, whenever I'm going to a halaqa, whenever I'm going to a restaurant to meet up with friends, <clears throat> I always leave my phone in the car. 
what what reason do I have to bring my phone in with me? Like I don't have any reason, right? I want to be present with the people that I'm with. And you know, to your point, how we use our phone to we use our phone anytime we should be present instead. And I have I've seen it even at the gym. Like I saw once a guy walking across the gym and like he was just walking and then he just pulls out his phone to look at it. I'm like, that's so it's just so intriguing because it's like, man, even even when we're bored, we can't seem to just stand for phones. Like we've lost the idea of what boredom is. Like it's almost like we're not allowed to be bored or we can't get ourselves to be bored because it's just we sit with our thoughts, you know, we sit with who we are. Maybe that's just too much for us to handle. Um, and low points are scary, man. Like I, 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 you know, I, I appreciate that you shared that with us, you know, because it's not easy to be vulnerable like that. And low points are scary because whenever you hit that low point in your life, man, it just turns you into someone that you always wished you would never become in the first place, you know? And I remember being someone who was extremely resentful, who was ugly, nasty, and vulgar after, you know, my low point this year. And yeah, man, it's, um, it's, it's a scary thing. Um, yeah. And I hope, like you said, the Ummah, we just sort of come to this realization that we can lead, we can use our phones less, you know, we don't need to always be on our phones. If if we're going to use our phone for business purposes, for content purposes, that's fine. And we all can agree on that. But to just simply be on our phone for the sake of being on our phone, it's like, man, it doesn't make sense. You know, even sometimes when I'm at my friend's house, I carry a, like a shoulder bag with me, right? I go to a friend's house and I'll leave my phone in the shoulder bag and just put the shoulder bag away, right? So that I can just sit with my my boys and just talk to them rather than just being on my phone. And of course I have the days where, you know, I'm using my phone. I shouldn't be. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I hope that is something that the Ummah works towards in 2023, inshallah. Inshallah. Yeah, so ways to know that you've got a problem is obviously if someone has pointed it out to you, like you're always on your phone or you never talk to us or you're always in your room on, you know, online, that's something you should really, really think about because this it's addictions are serious in general and social media online addiction is not any different. Right? It gives you endorphins, it gives you dopamine hits, it gives you false escapism, numbing, numbing yourself. It's, it's, it's a place for when you have pleasure or pain. And we also know where, where else, in, just beyond social media, I'm just talking about social media, right? But there's a lot of other things that can be horribly distracting, right? Or take you away and further down a dark spiral. Um, another way to know is like, if having not having access to your phone or your phone is dead, you know, and you don't know what to do with yourself. Like you actually get fundamentally anxious and stressed. Like you are addicted. You're already going through withdrawals. Like you don't know what to do with yourself. You don't know what to, you know, it's like, what am I going to do? Right. You also have to have things in your life that are enjoyable, that are part of your routine that don't require any electricity, like journaling, exercising, cooking, well, cooking reading electricity, but reading. Yeah. yeah. Um, playing with your kids, you know, whatever, like doing things that don't require electricity. Like this is how we've always lived. Hmm. You know, this is all new stuff. We actually don't know the long-term damage. I mean, we have some idea, 
but the yeah. long-term damage is it's very different when you have a child's first two years of neurology be hardwired and in place when they're always looking at screens right because oh it's so cute look they can use my ipad and it just becomes a thing now right versus the way we've always developed our sensory you know primal neuro, neuro network systems through actually engaging the environment and the sky and the sun and people around us and crawling in the dirt like that's what actually makes us ready for the world it's not swiping and sliding and all these light you know crazy lights and so forth right so yeah and it's crazy because the your kids will always go for your phone you can buy them the greatest toys dude i've even done gotten fake phones like their kids plastic version right so they can feel like yeah they still want yours why because they see you on it and kids want to be like their parents they will constantly imitate you what you say what you do so if you're always on your damn phone they're gonna they when they grab your phone they want to be on their phone your phone all the time like you big Mm. sign big indicator so quick practical suggestion for everybody you know make a phone basket or some kind of a container where you can put your phone in the kitchen. So when you get home, you actually give your family some presents and have a rule with yourself. Like, you know, I'll only check my phone one more time for work at 10 p.m. or 9 p.m. before I sleep, but you also don't take it into your room with you. And because again, all that is just, you know, you you don't even get good rest these days when most of us are falling asleep on our phones, right? Waking up with our phone in our hand, another sign you're addicted. Falling asleep with your phone, another sign. You're Taking your phone into the bathroom, another sign you're addicted. Who the hell needs their phone in their bathroom? You need your hands to do stuff in there, right? You got to clean. <laughs> you know, if you're Michael Doom, right? What what, yeah. what what is the purpose? It just goes to show you can't let go. You're attached, so attached. Mm. You know. Yeah. And obviously, if your skin starts growing around your phone and you actually can't remove it, then you need to go see a medical expert. <laughs> as well as a science lab to be studied because your addiction has gone so far, right? It's like you're basically becoming a morphed cyborg, right? So that's yeah. some of, that's like a big, big, if it's the only thing I say for New Year's, like right now, it's that because yeah. time is the most valuable thing you have. It goes by faster and faster. And we just I said, this thing sucks your most valuable asset and resource, which is your time. Yeah. So yeah. that's my tip for the year, man. Hmm. Yeah, just to piggyback on your practical advice that you gave as far as using your phone, um, my practical advice that I would give is if you want to use your phone less, number one, when you go to Juma, just leave your phone in the car. I promise you, you do not need your phone when you're at Juma. I promise you, you won't need it. How many people um, do you see on their phones during Juma? Honestly, like, do you notice it? It's one is one is more than enough, honestly. Like one is too much. You know what I mean? Like it's, again, it's like, you just don't need your phone. And look, if there are certain people that you are expecting a call from immediately after Juma, just let them know beforehand that look, you know, Hey, I'm going to this, uh, I'm going to a prayer, you know, it'll take some time. I'll call you when I'm out, whatever. Right. Leave your phone in the car for Juma. Leave your phone in the car. When you go to a or some sort of spirituality talk leave or your phone any in the social car. gathering dude. yes any, any social, social gathering yes whether it's whether Maximize it's going... the human presence you know right and that includes like going out uh, uh to lunch with your with your friends dinner with your friends whatever it is if when you're in a social gathering just keep your phone away um keep it as far away as possible and the and the other thing was that 
I would recommend buying a separate alarm clock to use to help you wake up in the morning rather than your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's say you know you don't buy an alarm clock. At least when you set your alarm on your phone, put it away as far as possible, so that number one, when you're in bed, you're not on your phone, and number two, when you wake up in the morning, you have to physically get up out of bed, pick up your phone, and then turn off your alarm. So <clears throat> those would be my um, practical advices that I would give as far as like using your phone less for the coming year and just implementing those things uh, so that, you know, we're just using our devices less, man. And it's, and I wanted to say one last thing as far as um, how parents will often tell their, tell their kids and their children that, you know, you know, get off your phones, you know, stop sitting in front of the TV. But look, it doesn't make sense when the parent is doing the exact same thing. When parents are on their phones all the time, when they're constantly scrolling, when they're constantly in front of the TV, what do you think the kids are going to do as well? You know, I heard this great, great quote, which is kids learn with their eyes, not their ears. So they're just going to mimic whatever the parent is doing. And the parents have to lead by example. We have to, you know, man, this, the, at least the Daisy community suffers from the bystander effect, right? Well, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to let someone else do it, right? I'm not going to be an example. I'm not going to lead by example. I'll let someone else lead by example. It's like, why? What purpose does it serve to just sit around and do nothing? Like, that certainly is not a prophetic trait. It makes to sit you feel synthetically nothing. safe when you do nothing sometimes. Exactly. And people don't want to leave their comfort zones, right? Sort of tying back they to like what we said in the beginning. They don't like change. Everything is born from change, though. That's what Marcus really said. You know, and it, that's something just to keep in mind as far as um, being uh, someone who, who wants to lead by example to try and you know, implement new habits. You, you got to be the first one to, you, you got to step up to the play and just, you know, lead by example. Yeah. Oh, and I want to add one more thing on this is even though change is difficult because it, we don't like being comfortable with discomfort, right? Which is necessary for you to actually grow. You know, what I've also learned about relocating and living in a completely different world than I've ever been raised in is humans are very adaptable, right? I mean, I've always known this, but it's like, like now that I've been here for almost a year and a half or almost, you know, it's like, if I really needed to, dude, I could stay, I could live here for a couple of years. Like if I had to, right. Cause I've adapted, I've learned how to like have the right narrative now. Right. And all those things that just have to chisel and pound away at. So humans are very adaptable. You will adapt to positive new habits. Just like if you keep exposing and conditioning yourself with negative bad habits, you'll adapt to them and they will become who you are. So that's another thing that we have to remember is everything happens through consistent exposure, stimuli, practice, and then becomes habit and conditioning. So we are adaptable no matter what, um, you know, humans are malleable. Maybe that's why we're mostly water because that's the most malleable, flexible, supple element, right? So one knows best. Wishing you all a happy new year. No monster pleasure for you to, you know, be here today with me. And and we both opened up our hearts to share. I love it. And uh, may yeah. Allah increase us and guide us and forgive Amin. us and all those Amin. listening. Thank you for your support. Amin.